Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the NFL Scotland podcast. My name is Cameron Hobbs. This is a little bonus podcast for you. NFL Scotland podcast semi-regular guest Ian Stephen was able to catch up with Steve Livingston, who was the former general manager of the Scottish Claymores. He had a great chat with him. Here's what he had to say. Okay, joining me today is a man with a massive resume in the American football world, a linebacker, head coach, journalist, media relations guru, and ultimately the general manager of the Scottish Claymores. I am, of course, talking about Steve Livingston. Steve, good to see you again. Nice to see you too, and thanks for the opportunity to, to talk to you today. And how are you doing? Doing good, yeah. That kind of introduction there, I think, speaks to... You know, jack of all trades, master of none. It probably kicked me from one job to the other, but uh, it's been quite a quite an interesting life in, in the old sports business. What is it? What is it um, you got up to once you left the Claymores? Get us up to speed. So, when um, the league decided to uh, discontinue uh, the NFL, decided to discontinue operations at the Claymores. Um, uh, I, I actually took the uh, opportunity to. To move to Florida, um, I'd, I'd met my wife Janine in the course of my work, and um, it was uh, an opportunity for her to kind of get home and, and closer to her family there. And we were kind of starting a family at the, at the time, uh, so we decided to go back to Florida. And, and really, fortunately, um, I spent a little bit of time uh, in Jacksonville with the Jaguars on a kind of exchange program that the NFL had running. At the time, I was the general manager of the Claymores, and they'd, uh, they'd kind of remembered me from that. Uh, so I got in touch with them uh, when, we, when we arrived in the States, and uh, fortunately they were able to find a, a role for me, a position. Uh, and I ended up being uh, with the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars for, for nine years. Uh, kind of worked up through the organisation, started off really as a project manager, and then laterally I kind of ended my career there. Uh, as uh, kind of head of sales and marketing, so uh, kind of running all the ticket sales for for the for the uh, the Jags. Um, I left the organisation shortly after Shad Khan came in. Um, a great opportunity kind of opened up to start up a professional uh, football team, soccer team in Jacksonville, and uh, kind of jumped at, at that chance. At, at that time, I kind of been with the NFL for about 18 years and it was, it was kind of time to try something new so but I had a great time working with the Jags it was a fantastic uh, job great experience um, we really did well in kind of growing the, the attendance there in Jacksonville despite you know some some bad seasons you know in terms of the, the football side of things but um, uh, we, we did quite well in terms of the fan experience we always kind of voted number one in the league for that it's kind of easy to do that when you've got sunshine and swimming pools and you know all that sort of thing in the stadium. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what what I've been up to uh, the, the past few years after the Claymores. Everybody remembers you probably in Scotland most with the the work you did with the the Claymores, and we had Scott Cooper on our live show just last week. What's some of your favourite memories that you can take away for being around the Claymores? Oh boy, uh, so many. It was just such a, a terrific uh, time to work. Um, it, it was a it was a kind of stressful and, and, and pressure time as well. Though I mean, there was uh, quite a lot of expectations for us to to kind of succeed and, and grow. I mean, when you're working, you know, with a, a, an organisation like the NFL, uh, the standards are high. 
Um, we had a, a absolutely fantastic front office staff with the Claymores. Uh, small staff, but uh, everybody worked really hard and uh, were really dedicated to, to what we were doing. It was really a labour of love. Um, against, I would say, fairly um, you know, stiff challenges. You know, being a, a kind of new sport coming in, uh, kind of fighting the incumbents a little bit, if you like, although we never really competed with Celtic and Rangers. But I think the success that we had, I mean, we ended up being the third best supported you know, professional sports team in, in Scotland, you know, behind the big two and, and the national teams, obviously. Um, but, you know, my, my memories will always be, you know, with working with the front office staff. They, again, they were terrific people, Scott included, uh, when, he, when he retired. Um, but then the other thing, I think we had um, fantastic coaches, great players, um, you know, a, a wide variety of players that, that were sent over. Uh, some of them really embraced the opportunity and loved being there, some of them not so much. But really by the end of the experience, the end of their, their kind of uh, their two and a half, three months in Scotland, they, they were kind of converted to it. Uh, people like Dante Hall is a good example of that. He kind of came in with a bit of an attitude, a bit of a chip on his shoulder, um, and probably left with a, with a similar attitude, but came back years later and, and just appreciated how, how, how great a time he had. Um, okay, sorry, can I just interrupt? I do remember Dante Hall having... Proximity to a microphone in a live STV game, is, is that remembered correctly by myself? I, you might remember that one. There's probably a dozen Dante Hall stories that anybody could tell. But, um, you know, in the end, I think um, deep down in his heart, he was a good guy, you know. And I, I think he kind of grew to realise that. You know, the other thing as well, you, you have to remember, when the NFL were, were allocating these players to our league and sending them over... Um, Someone kind of took it as a slight almost, you know. And for like a 24, 25-year-old guy who's been told he's not good enough to you know, play in the first team and we want to send you to, of all places, Scotland to see if you can get better, it's difficult to deal with. And um, But again, I think um, Donny got a lot out of his experience in Scotland. And you know, obviously when he went back to the league, uh, the NFL in, in, in the US, he set all sorts of records. Had a fantastic, you know, two or three seasons there uh, in his position, and is a, is a legend now, pretty much. Um, so, you know, generally, you know, I think again, coming back to your question about, you know, what what I remember most, it's those interactions with the staff, with the players. We had some terrific coaches as well. Obviously, uh, Coach Kreiner uh, was a, a mentor for me, and uh, he's somebody that I, I think about pretty much every day in my working life. Still keep in touch with him as well. We had some great coaching staffs, as, you know, as well. Uh, Jim Tomsula, good example of that. My good friend Stephen McCusker as well was was on the on the coaching staff, and he kind of hung up the boots. And you remember those people. And then I think the the other thing that kind of sticks with me are the fans and and how how passionate and how how loyal they were. Um, to the Claymores and uh, you know, to an extent the NFL brand as well and I know it was a, a bitter disappointment when the NFL decided to kind of go in a different direction um, but their, their fanaticism for the sport for the team, for the coach the players um, was, was just, just amazing and again, you know, it's tough to be a supporter of a so-called minority sport 
because you know everybody's laughing at you sort of thing. But they, these people, you know, they wore their, 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 their heart and their pride on their sleeve, and and they were great fans of the team. And you know, even though we were, you know, maybe playing an average of ten, twelve thousand people in, in big stadia that we, you know, kind of rattled around in a wee bit, they made it. You know, difficult for the opposing teams coming in. They made a lot of noise and they, they created an environment. And I'll always be thankful to the fans for supporting it. If I was to throw you into an after-dinner speaking situation with a couple of drams down you, what would be your best anecdote? Do you think your funniest anecdote from your time? Oh gosh, there's so many. I mean, if you throw a couple of whiskies in me, I'll <laughs> probably spill the beans and the whole thing. I mean, it was it was just such a wild ride, to be honest with you. I mean, everything from um, you know, when the, the Claymores were first announced, um, I, was a, I was a journalist at the time covering the team. Um, and, you know, that whole kind of uh, thing with coach Larry Kuharic and getting fired, you know, on the eve of the first game. And uh, Larry was a bit of a disciplinarian, I'm afraid, and kind of drove all the players to mute me, I think. And, um, you know, all, all through the time, there's. There's, there's so many stories. I mean, it's it, it's it's difficult. Um, I kind of I, I, let me let me think. You kind of put me on the spot here a wee bit. Um, you know, one of one of my one of my kind of favourite anecdotes was um, when we had a we had a road game in in um, in Berlin, and it was one of the one of the first. The years we played in Berlin, I think it was. So it was all kind of new to everybody. And I was fortunate. I used to be able to travel with the team, which was great. Um, and uh, Coach Kreiner was, was the head coach at the time. And he, Jim's a fantastic guy. But around game time, he became really laser-focused on, like all the great coaches are, on um, you know, making sure everything was perfect, everything was right. And um, you know everything had to run on the schedule, and, and you know that's it, important because you know he's getting the team ready. Uh, but we we got on the bus to to get the uh, to get to the team hotel in Berlin, and we ended up getting lost. And uh, you know as we kind of drove around central Berlin, it was it was great for, for the players and everybody in the bus because we were getting this fantastic tour of Berlin. Only a few years after the kind of wall had come down, you know. But um, I was kind of sitting in the seat on the coach behind Coach Kreiner. So we're in Berlin and I'm sitting on the, the, the seat behind Coach Kreiner and I can, I can see him getting angrier and angrier by the minute. I can see the, the kind of red flushing through his face. Uh, as he's getting more and more frustrated with this driver who doesn't know obviously where he's going. And it, it got to the point where, where Jim, uh, it, he was so competitive, you know, he wanted to win at everything. He wanted to win at getting the bus to the airport, uh, <laughs> from the airport to the hotel in record time, you know. Eventually just blew a gasket, told the driver to pull over, and the driver pulled over. And I think it was the... One of the main plats there, the, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the famous one. So the buses pulled over, the buses are rather are pulled over, and coach has to get off the bus. He's so he's so furious, he's so angry, and uh, the bus door gets closed, and we can see him outside, basically pulling his hair out, just berating this driver, 
stomping up and down. At one point, I think he kicked the, the tyre of the bus like it was the bus's fault. And um, it was hilarious. And the whole bus just, you know, was watching this, watching coach just implode. Uh, before this big game and uh, eventually you got back on the coach could calm down a wee bit and we got to our destination but it was just one of those things that kind of sticks in your mind a wee bit and uh, you know Jim, Jim was um, kind of no stranger to having run-ins with, with bus drivers that didn't know their way in Germany we had another famous anecdote where um, and, and we think Ryan Fire were responsible for this in some part but we had a bus driver that was taking us from um, the hotel to the stadium on game day. Uh, bus driver's name was Ziggy. Uh, I always remember that. And he managed to get lost as well. And we ended up at a wedding. Uh, <laughs> so either Ziggy was on a different schedule to everybody else, or you know they, they, they were playing a game with us a wee bit. But uh, who's, that, who's the coach of Ring Fire at that point? Uh, uh, I think it was Larry. Um, no, what was the Ring Fire say coach name? Kuhartich or something like that. You, you'll be able to look that up. But, um, you know, Jim was, Jim was our head coach, Coach Kramer was our head coach, and it, it, that didn't go down well, um, obviously ending up at a wedding. And uh, so he was raging. And we ended up, we got to the stadium, I think it was maybe 25 minutes before kickoff. So that's how kind of hairbrain it was, you know, players having to get ready. And, get out there without really a proper warm-up to, to start the game. But those, those were the kind of things that, that kind of, I think, made uh, NFL Europe the kind of legend that it is now. So, yeah. With, with kind of lessons learned, um, obviously, 20-odd years in the future, do you think uh, a new version of NFL Europe could work? I think the, the way that things have developed in the, the UK market and, and the European market... It, it, it might be seen as a kind of retrograde step to go back to that. Um, I, I think the whole development of, of World League and NFL, NFL Europe League was something that the league had to do. It had to kind of learn through development, if you like. Um, and, and I think where, where they're at right now is, is a good place. I mean, obviously, there's, there's some things that I would like to still be in place that the NFL Europe had, you know, having that kind of organic... Support, if you like, supporting a, a, a home-based team, if you like, even though the players mainly weren't from the, the home-based country or city. Um, but certainly I think that was something that the fans could really get their teeth into. Um, but, you know, with the, 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 the kind of rise of digital media and the globalisation of sport, I, I don't know how important that is now, you know. Uh, I think fans can... Uh, uh, Sports fans generally support sports teams around the world if they have a connection or, or see something that they like with them. So I think the way that it's, that it's gone with the NFL has been, has been good in terms of the development and the market of the sport here in Europe. I'd like to see them do more in Germany. I think there's a, a latent support for the game there. I, I think they would sell out you know, Berlin or Frankfurt or whatever uh, in the same way that they're, they're, they're selling out the games in London. Um, so I'd like to see see that you know give the German fans something, uh, but again I think the way that the the um, the product has evolved and bringing you know uh, regular season games to London um, has been a has been a positive step for the league. Um, in terms of a an NFL Europe league, if you like, or a, a spring league, is you, you know obviously there's been some 
you know, uh, people trying to start leagues in the US over the years. Uh, a spring league, I think there's still a, a good case for a spring league. Uh, I think from the player development side of things. And again, World League and NFL Europe League really had two objectives. One of them was to, you know, obviously market the game in in Europe, but the other one uh, and around the world. And but the other one was to develop players, uh, particularly US players. Um, I think there's still a need for that. I, I think the NFL struggles a wee bit at some specific positions. Although looking at this year's NFL, it's, it's hard to actually argue that with the way that some young quarterbacks have come in and actually excelled. But I, I think a, a proving ground for, for, for quarterbacks, for offensive linemen in particular as well, is something that would be useful for the NFL. And I think if they were going to do a spring league, it would be probably the US is where they'd look to do that. And again, there's um, you know, the, the AAF and now the XFL are coming back. That might fill the gap uh, that, that's, that I think is needed in terms of the player development side of things. You might be one of the, the best people to answer this question, especially with speculation with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but do you think the UK could ever have a full-time NFL franchise? I mean, I think that's really up to the, the league, um, you know, and, and probably more so the players and the players' association. I think that's, a, that's going to be a huge factor in... And whether the NFL would, you know, establish or cite a league full time um, here in the UK or Europe, um, I, I don't see it happening in the short term. I think that's going to be kind of more of a long term aspiration, long term deal. I think the way that they've they've got the the games in London right now is actually perfect. Um, and, and you know, I think we're up to what four fixtures mm-hmm. now in, in London. Um, you know, and that, that seems to be satisfying the demand right now. Um, you know, could could it could an NFL team work in London? Absolutely. Um, but the issue I think would be uh, having the, the players buy into it. Um, you know, obviously the, the the player talent, most of it's going to come from the US, not all of it. And um, that's a that's a big ask for those guys to either pack up their families or, or move to, to Europe, um, you know, leaving their families behind sort of thing. So I think that's that's the biggest issue. But, you know, logistically-wise, uh, marketing-wise, ticket sale-wise, absolutely, it could, it could work. Um, but again, I don't know if the league is is ready for that. I don't know if they're, they're, they've developed enough, that kind of international idea, to, to be in a position where they would establish a team full-time. Every international series game has been in London and of course the Claymores were hosted at Hampden Park and at Murrayfield. Could Scotland logistically host an NFL game? Oh, logistically without a doubt. Um, again, I think it goes back to that, that kind of issue of not so much the player side of things but more the kind of marketing plan now. And um, yeah, I, absolutely, I mean, we, we could host NFL Europe League games in, in Edinburgh and Glasgow um, without too much too much trouble, obviously there were some issues at Hamden with, with the pitch. Um, you know, I think the Murrayfield pitch was a, a little bit more. Um, it could stand it a wee bit more, um, but you know, logistically, absolutely not. There's no reason why they couldn't. Um, I think also from a marketing standpoint, the fan base is here. I think the fan base that we established with the Claymores um, has probably matured a little bit now, but you know, there's still a kind of voracious uh, fanaticism for the NFL kind of north of the border 
and um, you know I think people would travel as well. I think the opportunity for for folks to have a weekend in Glasgow or Edinburgh to come up to Scotland, uh, you know, would be a positive as well. It would be a wee bit different from what they've been doing in London. Um, it would take a wee bit more from them, you know, on the marketing side and, and the promotional side to to kind of generate the, the buzz that they, they have around London. But no, I don't see any, any reason why they couldn't. Well, that's everything then for episode 70 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please do continue to give your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Scotland NFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Scotland NFL. Myself and Paul will be back in the middle of next week. I'll be back in Edinburgh. We'll be getting together to pick apart everything from week six, including that second London game. If you're traveling down listening to this, enjoy your weekend in London. If not, enjoy the extra three and a bit hours of football that you get this Sunday on TV. We'll be speaking to you soon, but until then, bye for now.